morning, everyone. Cynthia and I would like to wish all of you a very warm, happy new year in a not-so-warm time of the year. But thank God that we get to be here as uh, disciples and we get to feel the warmth of God's love and the warmth of a great fellowship uh, around us. Uh, I wanted to follow up on the sermon that James preached last week on uh, Dare to Dream. He was a little fired up last Sunday as he talked about uh, the double dog dare and uh, just all the, the different aspects of that. And I thought we could follow up on today on making your dreams a reality, or in other words, how do we accomplish our dreams in 2018? So let's pray together, and then we'll, uh, we'll get into the topic for today. Our God and Father in heaven, thank you for a new year. Thank you for a new day. Thank you for a new start. And I just pray that you would help us to make the most of these days, uh, to uh, consider uh, each and every moment as a blessing from you and to strive to be the people that you created us to be. Thank you for sending Jesus uh, who has redeemed us, who washes away all our sins, and who each and every day allows us to have a new beginning. Uh, Father, I pray that you would uh, bless our individual lives, that you would bless this ministry, that you would bless James and Zalika as they lead uh, the Harlem region, and that, God, we would see great things happen this year to your glory. Help many, many people to become disciples and help those who are disciples to get stronger in their faith. Uh, we pray it all and ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So we want to spend some time today talking about making our dreams a reality. Now, we've already been challenged and dared, really, I guess is a better word. We've been dared, double dog dared, to dream big, as uh, James took us back uh, to, to the Old Testament and I did learn some things about him in that sermon as to uh, how unruly he was in his youth and things that he and his friends did. And so I know it's by the grace of God that he's even still here today. Uh, but I thought it was, uh, and thank you, brother. Thank you for the sermon. Thank you for the message. Thank you for preaching from your heart. Uh, and, and, and I know that it really encouraged me. Matter of fact, I listened to the sermon twice. Uh, that's what I needed to do in order to... Uh, to, to remember everything, uh, but it, it just made me think about how we not only need to have big dreams, which I'm thankful we were encouraged to have, and, and I really want to implore us to, to, to take hold of uh, those challenges that we were given, uh, to really dream big and ask God uh, to answer our prayers and to help our dreams become a reality. But I want to get down to some practical things today as to how we can help and see our dreams become a reality. How can we make our dreams come true? It's great to dream, but you've got to have a plan if you want to see those dreams become a reality. And so I wanted to take some time to look at some lessons we can learn from the life of Joseph. And Joseph, as we know, was a dreamer. Uh, God put dreams on his heart that one day he would rise up and do great things. 
Uh, those, dreams, those dreams didn't make everybody happy. As a matter of fact, for his brothers, they were irritated with him and, and they even hated him because of his dreams. But God had, had put some things on his heart that even as a 17-year-old teenager, he didn't quite understand. But they would become a reality in his lifetime. Joseph is one of the greatest characters in all of Scripture. Uh, he's so much like Jesus and the fact that he suffered and gave glory to God and lived a righteous life. Of, of, of the many Bible heroes that we look up to, uh, Joseph indeed was one of the most righteous that we could ever encounter and study. And so I think we can learn some, some amazing things from his life, relearn some things from his life today as to how we can see our dreams come true as God made his dreams come true. And so I want us to, to just remember Joseph's story. Uh, that, and you know, we don't have time to, to read everything from Genesis uh, all the way, I mean, from the, the, the middle of Genesis, Genesis, I think, 37, all the way to Genesis 50, we read about uh, Joseph's life. And we'd be here all day. That, that's a whole seminar, a whole workshop that we could do on the life of Joseph. But just to sum it up, you know, Joseph was the, the 11th uh, son of Jacob. There were 13 uh, children in his family, 12 boys and one girl. And God put some things on his heart, uh, and, and he went and told his brothers. But there were some family dynamics that went on there, and we'll talk about that more in a minute. Uh, but, but because Joseph was the most loved by his father Jacob of all his brothers, uh, there, that definitely created some animosity and some resentment in his family. Uh, and so his brothers took him, and initially they, they, they were going to kill him, but one of his brothers says, no, 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 you cannot, you cannot do that. Reuben, his eldest brother, says, let's not do that. So they sold him into slavery uh, where uh, he went off, and then he was eventually uh, given to Potiphar, and he served faithfully under Potiphar until Potiphar's wife falsely accused him of, of, of trying to seduce her, and he ended up in prison. And he ended up in prison for quite a while, and, and because God had blessed him with the ability to interpret dreams, uh, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker both had dreams, and Joseph interpreted their dreams. Uh, the chief uh, cupbearer was restate, reinstated to his position, and then when Pharaoh had dreams that needed to be interpreted, the cupbearer who had forgotten Joseph remembered there's a guy in prison who can interpret your dreams. And so Pharaoh called uh, Joseph in. He interpreted his dreams. And we go on to see that Joseph, uh, in his story, went from just being a slave to the second most powerful man in the world. And this is how God worked through Joseph's life. It took a while. took some 13 years because he was, 30, he was 17 when his brothers sold him into slavery. He was 30 when God lifted him up to the second most powerful position in the world. And so I want us to learn some lessons from this great story, from this dreamer that God used to save his people 
and to give glory to himself. Lesson number one. Lesson number one. Numero uno. We must overcome the trials and temptations of family conflicts if we want to see our dreams come true. Now, let's talk about this for a few minutes. Joseph, like many of us, was born into a family of conflict and dysfunction. He was not, even though he was favored by his brothers, by his dad, and hated by his brothers, his family situation was not a good one. His dad, his wives were sisters to one another. That's not a good situation. And there was resentment among them. Rachel, whom Jacob loved most, resented her sister, Leah, who God blessed to be fruitful in childbirth. Uh, she went on to have a, a number of children, seven children. Seven of, of, of Jacob's children were given to him through Leah, uh, Leah and, and Rachel was fortunate enough to have two sons, one being Joseph and the other Benjamin. He also had children through their, their servants, through their, through, his, through their handmaidens. And so there was all kinds of issues in this family. And, and we don't have time to go through all of it, but there was tension there. There was animosity there. There was even adultery there. A lot of things going on in Joseph's family. And imagining, imagine your own brothers resenting you and hating you so much that they want to kill you. They want to get rid of you. And so sometimes when we think, well, the only way to make your dreams come through true is you've got to have a great family situation. And everything has to be in order. And everything has to be exactly the way that, that really you need it to be. Joseph shows us, no, it doesn't. Because he left home at 17. And it would be a couple of decades before he would ever see his father again. And so there he was as a young man, alone, by himself, deserted, abandoned by the people that should have loved him most. And yet, he continued to be faithful to God and to hold on to his dreams. What's your family situation today? What's it like? You know, just, just, just to make this biblical, I do need to read the Bible to you. In Genesis 37, verse 3, it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. That's not good, people. That's not a good situation to be in. Because he was born to him in his old age, and he made him a richly ornamented robe, ornamented robe for him. That's like at Christmas Everybody got presents, but then Joseph got the most presents. He got the biggest presents. You know, everybody else, I mean, they just got a little thing in a box, and, and Joseph got the Xbox, the Xbox One or the Xbox X, whatever it's called. I don't know. And everybody's sitting there going, please, what about us? He says, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, 
They hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. That's not, I mean, that's like everybody's at the dinner table and the brothers are just sneering. They can't even say a kind word to, to Joseph. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain in the field when suddenly my sheep rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Oh, man, that's encouraging. That built his brothers up. Oh, we love you now, Joseph. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. And he didn't stop there. I mean, he could tell they didn't like it. And then he had another dream, and he told them the same thing all over again. And so, not a good situation, people. How are you dealing with your family situations? Do the scars of family conflict and dysfunction keep us from dreaming? We've all got challenges, personally. Have we allowed family struggles to cripple us? And to say that, well, because my father or my mother wasn't this, then I can't be that. Or because of what's happened in my past with my family, I can't overcome. God says that's not true. Look at Joseph's life. Look at, look at what went on with him. Are we allowing past family struggles to keep us from dreaming for the future? I know marriage is difficult. You know, some of us, we go into it with such visions of grandeur, and, and, we're, and we're so innocent about how great things are going to be, and then we forget that there's conflict in marriage. And if you don't learn to deal with them, they can kill your dreams for the kingdom. And you can be like, Joe, like, like uh, James was saying last week. You go from being a steak knife to being a butter knife in the kingdom. You said it. We need to get our edge back. But don't, don't, just work through it. it. It's a test of your spirituality. It's a test of your humility, marriage is. It's a test of your willingness and your ability to trust in God. And to realize that I can't change another human being. I can only change myself. And the best thing I can do is to show this person how to be like Jesus. What about your children? You know, children can take you through some things, can't they? And we have such dreams for them. And then as they go through hardships and they go through struggles, whether it's physically or whether it's academically or, 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 or through their health challenges or whatever it may be, and we can get so focused on that that we lose our dreams for God. Our brothers and sisters, I don't know what your family situation is. I'm the oldest of seven children that little Miss Ruby had. And we're all over the place. Not a great situation growing up in the projects of Wilmington, North Carolina. No one had been to college. No one had really even graduated high school. But you know, God can take you places that you never dreamed if you just trust in him. And the greatest thing God ever did in my life was open my heart to becoming a disciple my freshman year in college. 
It was all God. It wasn't because of what was passed down to me from other family members, even though I believe my family loved me. Now, what about the situation with you and your parents? You know, sometimes the holidays can be difficult because we see on the Hallmark television all these great stories. And then we look at our situation and go, my goodness, there is the, we don't even get a Hallmark card. We don't get anything. And it can be distressing and painful. But how are you dealing with it? Has it killed your dreams? Has it kept you from believing that your God can still work through you? Maybe you're the chosen one. Maybe you're the Joseph that God has called to lead his family to a better place. Maybe you're the one and you don't even realize it. You see, Joseph overcame challenging family dynamics to still be used by God and to see his dreams come true. Lesson number two, we must overcome the trials and temptations of sexual sin. Now, the Bible says some amazing things about Joseph and the kind of righteousness, personal righteousness he had. But we know that sexual temptation is a huge problem in our society today. It's, still, it's even a big problem in, in the church, for church leaders and for church members. It is one of Satan's chief weapons to destroy our dreams is to lead us astray through sexual temptation, through not being able to overcome our, or, or overcoming our sinful nature, our sensual nature. You know, Joseph was a young man when he left home. And he ended up in Potiphar's household. And this is what the Bible had to say about Joseph. I'm going to go ahead and start in verse 2, but I've just put some of the scriptures up for you. In, in Genesis 39, verse 2, it says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that, that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all of that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. And then it goes on in verse 7. It says, Now Joseph was well built and handsome. Can we get an amen on that, brothers? Can we, can't, can we get a bring some Josephs into church, sisters? Yeah, I know, I know that's what y'all are thinking. So don't, don't need to hold back on that. You know, Joe, you know, James said last week, dare to dream. Dare to dream. Brother was well built and handsome. The Bible does not exaggerate. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. I mean, hey, she, she noticed Everybody else noticed. 
but you can't always go after everything you notice. Right? Sometimes I'm just going to put a little lesson in here for, for you. You can be attracted to somebody, and what must you say? You must say, no, I can't go there. Am I right? Am I talking to Christians this morning? It's, it's like, it's not a sin to be attracted. It's what you do with the attraction. Am I right? You got to say, oh, no. No, if Denzel walked in here, walked in here, I'm talking about the young Denzel. If he walked in here, you may be attracted, and your husband might, he might have to, no, you turn back over here. I'm your Denzel. I'm the only Denzel you're going to have. I'm it. So you took a peek, but that's it. You can't have him. And even if he came up to you smiling, hello, hi, you just, hi, bye. I mean, you, you just... You, you, you got to, you understand what I'm saying? You just can't follow everything that, that your heart desires. And so here's Potiphar's wife, and I'm sure she was a nice looking lady herself. And she sees Joseph and she goes, Whoa, good. Who is that? He got it going on. I mean, it's like he's young, he handsome, he ain't like the pot belly, bald head husband I got. Look, look at him. And so. She said to Joseph, she was bold, wasn't she? She was bold. It wasn't a text. It wasn't a tweet. It was face to face. Come to bed with me. He didn't go, oh, what? Really? No, that's not what Joseph did. He says, but he refused. He refused. He didn't fool around with it. You know, when you just refuse, you know, you know what it feels like to be refused? It's like, no! That's how you ref- You don't refuse by going, well, let me think about it. I'm going to pray on that. Wow. Seriously? Really? No, you refuse. It's like, no! Can we go out? No! Can I call you? No! Can I come by and see you? No. That's how you refuse. That's refusing. You understand? I just want to help y'all out with what it means to refuse. It's no. Okay? Someone knock on your door. Can I come in? The way you refuse them is you don't go, well, yeah, you can come in for a minute. No, you go, no. You ain't coming in here. They're buzzed. You don't even answer. Okay, that's what you do. So he refused. He says, with me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he's entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. We still believe in the church that is one man for one woman. We still believe that. We still believe. I know things are changing. We still believe that sex is for marriage, not outside marriage. We still believe that. Do y'all still believe that in here in Harlem? We, I, I still believe that in other regions I go to. We still believe that and, and that you're not supposed to sleep with someone else's wife. Do I need to say that again? Okay, all right. I'm glad y'all got it. All right, okay. He says, and then he goes on. He says, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against who, church? Sin against who? So when we sin, we're sinning against who? Who was Joseph most concerned about displeasing? And so he says, no. He possibly could have gotten away with it, right? For a little while, because 
ultimately, do you ever really get away with it? Always comes back to you. And though she spoke to him, spoke to Joseph, day, this girl was not going to give up. Day after day, he, he did what? He refused to go to bed with her. And I like this part. Or even be with her. He didn't even fellowship with her. You, see, you understand what I'm saying? He knew she was attracted to him. He wouldn't even be in the same room with her. It's like, that's Miss Potiphar. She gave Joseph those eyes. Joseph. You know, eventually she set him up. And she, 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 uh, she got him in a difficult situation. And, and Joseph ran from her and she grabbed his cloak in her hand and she lied. And she said, this guy tried to make sport of me. And as a result, Potiphar put Joseph in prison. But the lesson we need to learn is that Joseph held on to his convictions. You see, don't allow sexual temptation to derail your dreams. It happens in the church too frequently. Where we don't take hold of our sinful nature. And we give into a feeling. We give into Satan's trap. And it shatters our dreams. And it's not that we can't be forgiven or we can't start order. We thank God for his grace and we thank God for his mercy. But, you know, we, we've got to remember Samson and how Delilah and, and how Samson being out of control, how that destroyed him. That's why it's in there. So we can learn from it. So we can remember, don't go there. We need to remember from David and Bathsheba. That's why the story is in there that you can be doing so great spiritually, but if you don't stay close to God, a moment of weakness can destroy your life. We've got to remember Solomon, the wisest man on the face of the earth, but because he didn't deal with his sensual desires, women from other nations took his heart away from God. And it destroyed him. Remember the consequences. There are consequences for living in sin. There are consequences for committing adultery. There are consequences for falling into sexual immorality. There are consequences. We don't have to go there. And if we want to see our dreams come true, we need to remain faithful to God and continue to walk the straight and narrow road and to be righteous before God. We can do this by the power of God. It can be done. And it was a test for Joseph, and it's going to be a test for some of us in 2018. What's your private life really like? What's it really like? You know, we come to church. We see, I know a little bit about you. You know a little bit about me. But the real you is the person at home that nobody sees. And when you leave church, Satan doesn't, he, he goes home with you. I just want you to know. When you leave, he leaves. 
And then he really tries to, to take advantage of us. We've got to commit our hearts this year that I'm going to be righteous before God. And I'm going to say no to temptation because I want to see my dreams come true. I want to see God work in my life. What would have happened if Joseph had given in to Potiphar's wife? This story would read so differently. But he shows us it can be done. And if we want to see our dreams come true, we've got to have the same conviction. Lesson number three. We must overcome the trials and temptations of prosperity. You know, God went on to work powerfully in Joseph's life. You know, Joseph was there in that dungeon, in that prison, and he finally got the call from Pharaoh. I want you to come up and interpret my dream. He had no idea how God was going to bless his life. He just was trying to be faithful and do the right thing. And so in Genesis 41, verse 14, it says, So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. See, that's a good thing to do before you go to Pharaoh. Clean yourself up a little bit. Because down in that dungeon, whoo, what a nice place to be. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Now, look at Joseph's humility. I cannot do it. Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. That's the humility that Joseph continued to have. In every situation, God blessed him under, in Potiphar's household, and he always gave the credit to God. The Bible says the Lord gave him success. And now when he's with Pharaoh and Pharaoh lifts him up, he gives the glory and the honor to, to Pharaoh, I mean to God, and, and tells Pharaoh, I can't do this, not me. It's God. You know, it's a real challenge when God starts blessing you. And he's blessed so many of us. I mean, I remember where some of us were 20 years ago. You remember where you were living in the household of brothers? God, thank you for delivering us. I mean, in, in difficult situations. I remember one time I lived in a household. It was me and, and seven other brothers. Not a blessing. Not a blessing. I mean, I'm glad to have a place to stay. But living with all those rascals, even though they were Christians, when I got married, I, I thank God you took me out of the desert into the promised land <laughs> to be with this wonderful woman and not with those brothers who stole and ate my food and drank everything I had. And uh, just, you know, one brother, he, I, God forgive him, he knew the brothers were so greedy, he had his girlfriend make some brownies and put X-lax in them. And he put them out there on the table, and he's like, do not touch. And they just start stealing them one by one. Well, you kn we could tell who stole them in, in, the, in, the, in the hours ahead. But that's just the way you live. Cynthia made me a casserole one time. It was beautiful. It was nice. 
and, and she dropped it off at the house, and the brother started eating it before I even got home. But now she just cooks for me, and that's just, I love it. It's great. But where was I? Uh, I, I, was on the, I was on the fact that God blessed Joseph. Not, not this prosperity. Some of you, God has blessed you so much. And, and why is it that when God blesses us, we think less about him? Why is it that when people are blessed and, and, and God gives them a lot, they don't honor him? They forget him. And we've got to make sure that, that we don't do that because one of the greatest tests of, of, of our walk with God is prosperity. When we're blessed, when God gives us stuff, when he sets us up to win, do we continue to remember it's him? Do we give our contribution every week? Do we sacrifice according to how God has blessed us? We've got to make sure we do that because here again the devil is trying to set us up. I want to throw a scripture in here that I think will help us all out. 1 Timothy 6. I just want to read this just to remind you. The Bible says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Is that right? Is it uncertain? Absolutely. But to put their hope in who? In God. That's what Joseph did. Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Isn't it great the way God's blessed us? Some of us People couldn't even figure out to give us what, for, what to give us for Christmas because we already got everything. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You know, it's in 1 Timothy 6 where the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. And we've got to make sure that like Joseph, we don't allow prosperity to lead us astray, to lead us to the grave, to lead us away from God. We've got to make sure that as God blesses us, we continue to give our heart and our dreams to him, that we lift him up. And I'm thankful for all that God's blessed me with, but I know that I wouldn't have a dime if it wasn't for the Lord. That every good thing in my life has come from up above. And therefore, I'm going to give God the first fruits of everything I get every week. He comes first. Joseph never forgot God as he prospered. Why has God blessed you? Why has God? See, Joseph figured it out. God blessed him so he could bless others. That's what happened here as we come to the end of the story here. You know, lesson number four, we must overcome the trials and temptations of a lack of forgiveness. We've got to remember, if you're going to see your dreams come true, you've got to get your heart right. You got to get all that junk out of your heart and not allow it to lead you astray. Joseph 
on more than one occasion could have given in the bitterness. His brothers deserted him. Man, how do you get over that? Potiphar's wife lied. Man, he, that was not a good situation. Potiphar didn't even ask any questions. Sent him to prison. When he was in prison, the chief cupbearer said, I'm going to remember you, man. He went off. Two years passed. He didn't even mention that Joseph was the one who interpreted his dream until Pharaoh reached a snag in his life. He could have resented that, been bitter, but he didn't. And see, God was using Joseph, blessing Joseph, preparing Joseph for something greater. To see incredible dreams become a reality. After being lifted up to a high position, Joseph's brothers now came back into the picture. After this, the, the years of famine, seven years of famine went by, his brothers have to show up because everybody is in need. So they have the, the seven years of, 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 of fruitfulness and then Seven years of famine began, and in that second year, the second year of famine, what I meant to say earlier, Joseph's brothers show up. And so this is what happens as we come to a close here. It says, Joseph's brothers come in. They don't even recognize him. And he keeps himself hidden from them for a while. And they come from the first visit, then he sends them away, and then they come back. It takes another couple of years for them to come back a second time. But then finally he reveals himself and he says here, Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer because they were terrified at his presence. Oh boy. This is who? This is the Joseph that we sold into slavery. This is the Joseph that we put in the Surston and, and wanted to, to kill that we disguised and, and, and put together this scenario where our father thought he was dead. This is you. They're not feeling too good right now. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into slavery. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Is that what you would have said? Is that what you would have been thinking? Don't be distressed. Oh, don't worry about it. I know you tried to kill me. That's okay. You know, if you tried it twice, it would have been fine. I'm, I'm good. It's all good. Come on in. Is that what you have said? Man, God, I wish I could have this brother's heart. So do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there's been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh. Lord of his entire household and ruler 
of all evil. I want you to hold on to that phrase. It was not you, but God. It's, it's, it's not you. It was God. See, sometimes we can, we can allow our bitterness and our anger and our past and the garbage that's happened in our lives to keep us from dreaming, from seeing the reality of our dreams. Sometimes this is how we look as Christians. Because we've got all this stuff clogged up in our hearts. Don't allow bitterness, anger, resentment, and hatred to ruin your year or destroy your dreams. Maybe it was God that led you to that breakup. Maybe it was God that kept you from being in a relationship with that brother or with that sister. Maybe it was God who closed the door to that job because he knew it wasn't best for you. Maybe it was God who kept you from moving and going to a place that you didn't need to go to because you would have lost your soul. Maybe it was God who put that person, a circumstance in your life that made you trust and rely on him more than you ever would have if he had not done it. Maybe it was God who's put you where you are right now because he wants to do something awesome in your life. It's not people. It's not others. Maybe it was God who's brought you where you are right now because there's something he wants to see you do in your life. Maybe it's God. And instead of getting bitter and angry, let's allow God to work in our lives to help our dreams come true. So how do you make your dreams come true? Hold on to this. Overcome the trials of family conflict. The trials and temptations of family conflict. Overcome the trials and temptations of of the flesh. Overcome the trials and temptations of prosperity. Overcome the trials and temptations of a lack of forgiveness. Dare to dream. Do what is necessary this year to make your dreams come true. How to accomplish your dreams in 2018. We can do this if we'll follow Joseph's example. God bless you.